Welcome to another episode of The Coralink Solution, where we empower you with awareness and actionable insights. Think about what you could accomplish if you did so with intention. And think about what those success stories might look like if you have more intent. I am welcoming today Dr. Ian D. Brooks, the CEO and founder of Roadsmith Consulting and author of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. Dr. Ian works with leaders and organizations to develop key skills in navigating within their organization and working with their teams. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Ian Brooks to the Coiling Solution. Welcome. Thank you, James. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you could make it. So I am one who who likes to hone in on intentions. So this topic is near and dear to my heart and I'm looking forward to it. But before we launch in, let's give everybody an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. It's a question I love to ask folks. What's one thing you can share with us that even those who believe they know you best don't know about Dr. Ian Brooks? Yeah, I'm. um, for those who don't know me very well, I'm, I'm a pretty quiet person. (laughs) <laughs> don't like the spotlight, don't enjoy being out in front. Yeah. And um, one of the things that this book has afforded me a chance to do and speaking with you and others is to step out from behind the curtain, if you will, and have my voice heard in a, a lot different perspective than um, I was allowing it or affording myself a chance to do. Not only is this book prominent within the realm of my coaching and what I experience with others, but it's also an opportunity for me to work with intention on a day-to-day basis to be have some purpose. And so now stepping out in front of this uh, light and having this conversation is uh, an example of that. Yeah, yeah. So you're living out some of the elements of your book just going through this process. Absolutely. I'm not only uh, the author, but also a client myself. <laughs> and I tell you, uh, there's some prominent pieces I actually talk about in the book that really reflect that. Most notably that the version of the book that uh, has been launched uh, as of April is a second copy as I did not enjoy uh, or did not appreciate my first copy mm. to the extent that I wasn't my authentic self and I wasn't uh, writing in a way mm. that really enabled readers to actually experience the book the same way that I had. I scrapped it all, wow. that very first version, and I had a choice to make at that moment to either write um, the book that was an authentic book, one that really authored in my voice, or I could scrap the whole thing and just say it was a nice exercise. And as six months after that decision, the book was finished. I tell you, that experience afforded me to become the author the book needed me to be. Wow. And as such, I'm happier with this this version, obviously, subsequently releasing it. What an interesting story. So the uh, the acknowledgement that it, the, the first version wasn't where you wanted it to be, but then um, pushing, taking that acknowledgement to action of saying, I'm going to pull that one in do another version. How was that interaction with the publisher, if I can ask? Yeah, it was pretty good since I'm an independent publisher. Okay, uh, okay. It's now my uh, choice. But one of the things that it afforded me a chance to do, because it, w- it was a written copy as well as the audiobook that I was actually yes. executing at the time as well. So going back and forth with the producers around the edits that they had made. But there are certain things that, quite notably, that the edit- editorial process could not change. It really came down to my content, con- came down to even the confidence of which I was speaking mm-hmm. through the book, word choice, of which they couldn't correct. Right, right. And as such, I needed to be my own coach. Yeah. And a lot of 
information that I pulled out from myself going through that experience, both from a knowledge perspective, but even that emotional uh, drain that it took actually to even hear my voice and actually to go back and re-audit everything that I heard really afforded me, again, a chance to come to the book with a fresh lens Mm. and saying, wow, I've now experienced this in a way I never thought. And as much, I'm writing this book for me as well as, and more importantly, even for the clients of whom I was working. Like I said, I'm a fan of the concept of being intent on what you want to do. What led you to writing this book? Sure. uh, My book was written based on my experience from my clients and their struggles Mm. to know how to effectively change. Uh, Generally speaking, I think people try to minimize the discomforts associated with changes that they experience. And I wanted to write a book that really afforded an opportunity that people experience transformations in an authentic way as they're going through their own journeys. So at the beginning, I started writing the book in the context of just jotting down notes from different conversations I had with my clients from a coaching experience standpoint. Where did I see them consistently struggling to actually answer questions or where did I find myself consistently reinforcing certain topics. From that, it led me to capturing certain themes Mm. from various conversations and experiences that truly resonated and ones that I wanted to make sure I reinforced on a broader uh, scheme of things. This this idea of intention also was born from my own personal journey. As a child, I was, as a 13-year-old, knew I wanted to get into the field of psychology, Um, a field born by active listening and not necessarily being out in the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's an old saying, I'm, I'm probably going to get it a little bit wrong, but something along the lines of, you know, the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, I think, yes. and I think the takeaway from that is we can have wonderful intentions, yes. but does it change the outcomes? Does it change us actually getting things done in the way we want to get them done? What would you, Just to start there, what would you offer in terms of what you've seen when people are very clear about their intentions? Yeah, I think one of the things that they're clear about and is around the end point. They're clear about where they want to go. I think what we get often caught up in that pathway to hell is paved with good intentions is that we think that path is straight. Mm. We haven't necessarily built our capabilities to deal with the ebbs and flows, both of how we think, what our behaviors are, and even how to emotionally manage through our changes. Thus, when we're going down that pathway, we think it's straight. It's quite frankly, it's that a zigzag. Yeah. Sometimes we're going forward. Sometimes we're going backwards. And how are we coping through those ebbs and flows of those of that path we're going down? Realizing that our endpoint is nothing more than a mile, milestone. But the true art of any transformation starts with our belief in, in our capabilities, but also building that strength throughout. And more specifically, that strength being our behaviors right. on what's going to carry us forward through those ebbs and flows, recognizing that our milestones will change with or without our own permission. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So now before we jump into some of the process of intention for the analytically inclined that that Uh are watching and listening, what would you say in terms of anything you could offer in terms of the increased level of success when being intent about what they want to accomplish? What What would you, how would you respond to that question? Sure. I know for the analytically inclined, it's you can times your increase your success rate, if you will, just working intently. Now, let me be clear on what I'm defining as success, as we have quite obviously admired definition of what success looks and feels like, especially as we're changing our behaviors. 
Um, oftentimes, we're defining success defined by receipt of a job title or a new job or marriage or some type of end result. We've boxed ourselves into an idea of what that finish line looks like. And as the saying goes, when you hear the details of success, it's hard to distinguish it from defeat. Mm. And in that respect, when we don't achieve that title or that endpoint or that tangible objective milestone, we see our and view ourselves being less than. So when I'm defining tenfold of success, I'm really defining it based off behaviors and the consistency of behaviors. Because now the consistency of behaviors lends itself towards it's the forefront of our mind. It's now we're paying attention to it with purpose mm. and consciously. And we're doing that across different situations and different scenarios and with different people. So success for me is defined tenfold through the consistency of that behavior and making sure that it's constant and building into the fabric of who I am as a person versus in end result being being nothing more than a milestone yeah. towards that consistency. Yeah, that's good. And I'm not a doctor yet. Yeah, I'm going to say yet because yeah. I've been considering yeah. my yeah. PhD. So I'm going to try to play back what you said in a, in a slightly sure. different way. What I think sure. I heard in some of what you said was success because success is not just this result that we have painted in our head as you think about it, because that, that could be transactional and you could even maybe luck into that as opposed to you're thinking about success as a personal transformation, a change in the habits, if you will, and behaviors that you need to get to that point of intent and do so consistently. That's what I'm hearing. That's absolutely the case because we can train someone to do something once on the second Thursday of a leap year of an odd month, it rains in Southern California. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but we're looking for consistency. Yeah. And I think that's really, really where we start to stumble. We give ourselves a pat on the back, knowing the journey and the effort it took just to do something one time. Yeah. But yet to do it all the time or to do it consistently. That's where we start to feel drained and worn down because we have to constantly think about it. Yeah. And so that's the really uh, demarcation of, how I look at and define success, even how I'm coaching the leaders and individuals to be better. That's so good. That's such a good nugget right there in and of itself, starting with the right definition of success. So with that being said, can we do a flyover of what it looks like? So let's say, great. I'm I'm with you, Dr. Ian. I agree. I want to change these behaviors. I'm not going to hit a home run every time, but I want to grow those muscles and habits, if you will, to be a home run hitter. What's the process look like? Sure. At a high level, the first thing, and we touched on a little bit, but I'll talk about it more specifically, and that is being conscious of what we're thinking and acting and feeling. It's requiring us up front to just pause, process, and reflect on what we're doing hmm. and setting ourselves up just to think. I ask this up front in, in, in detail that really gets specific on who you are and what you want. So we can't detach our histories from what we hope and to achieve. We have to really think about our changes in the context of who we are right. and how we got to our current place. Now, from that, at a very high level, then we build our plan based off our decisions and our care and, and who we are. Yes. And then we, as we just touched on, reframing our success, realizing that we just didn't get here in a day. We can't judge the book based on the chapter we walk in on. Right. We're judging our success based off of here's what I am and here's what I hope to achieve, often through the eyes of others and through society into preconceived notions and biases that we have. So in that context, it's about 
redefining success based off consistency of new behaviors and looking for instances to embark on that journey throughout our day, throughout our week. And then finally, using a learning as a place of reference, not a resident. Mm. In that respect, constantly going back and offering an opportunity to say what worked, what didn't, and checking and adjusting as we move forward, realizing, as you noted, we didn't get here in a day and we can't do it all at once. Right. But to build consistency and habit, we have to use learning as a reference point and an opportunity for us to move. So redefining success, using learning differently. And I, I think I missed the point in there. Yeah. And I'd say at the very beginning, up front, asking specific questions around who you are and what you want mm-hmm. and your own histories. Yeah. And in that context, in the fabric built through this is being conscious of what we're thinking, feeling and doing in Love the moment. It. Love it. Okay, so those are the three big blocks at the 50,000 foot view. So just to dive into some of the frameworks that you Mm -hmm. have in the book, haven't gone through the book, there are a couple of frameworks. One is pace. And I don't know if that's the most, to me, the the core, if you will. Is that, would would you consider that the core framework of this process or? That's just a piece. Um, I'd like to say that I can define uh, for the audience here momentarily what pace is. But that's the framework in the context of how to make sure we level set who we are. So pace is... Um, an acronym for patience, accountability, commitment, and emotions. And regardless of where we are through our cycle of change and transformation, we have ownership and empowerment to manage our own pace. Yeah, yeah. We didn't, again, we're not here to rush. This is uh, not a sprint. This is an ultra marathon. Right. <laughs> this is a true journey. So when we manage our pace, that first thing being our patience, just be patient on this journey. The second piece is accountability. Let's hold ourselves accountable for what we said we were going to do because we're the only judges and jury around what we're actually executing against because this is truly our story that we're impacting. The second, or the, excuse me, the third being commitment. Stay committed to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to be perfect. It's not intended to be. And in fact, you're going to get more learning through the imperfections and through the refinement than just being perfect up front. And then finally, managing our emotions. Because there is an emotional toll that comes with transformations. And when you're going through it, we're fighting our internal safety nets of our minds that yeah. keep us where we are. Yeah. So that's the framework from a personal journey around pace that I drive throughout the entirety of the book. But to your statement around what model is within the framework of the book, it really is based off of social cognitive theory of Albert Bandura, where we're building capabilities based off of symbols, forethought learning, personal regulation and reflection. And how that comes out in the book comes out through our five particular capabilities that we're building. The first is through discovery of what are we really solving for and peeling back that, as I noted, we can't judge the book based on the chapter we're walking in on. So let's peel back on how did we get here and what are we really solving for? Yeah. And through that discovery lends itself to what are the true instances and true actions that I need to be taking. Because what we're actually seeing is just an end result of many decisions that we've made before. Do we need to change those decisions or those other previous actions so we get a different result? Mm -hmm. The second piece around the capability we build is around the principle of you. In this context, I talk about in the book, number one, who are you? Like, what are your characters? We all have characters of how we live our lives. I love that concept in the book. Just to draw it out for your audience for a moment, as we think about characters, it's not about I'm a brother, I'm a sibling, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a VP. 
it's not those are titles bestowed upon us that we can get and others author us in a book or in a box excuse me mm-hmm. our characters are how do we show up am i mr know-it-all am i mr i think i talk not i think i know i talk about myself in the book of mr degree mm-hmm. where i felt early on in my life that i needed a degree to validate i was smart enough now that these characters and how they show up, like the abominable snowman just holding on to Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny with dear life and squeezing the heck out of him because he loved them so much, but right. he was actually killing them. Uh, these characters come out in us throughout our entirety of who we are and in certain situations. So acknowledging those characters of in our own stories, because we are the author of our own stories, mm-hmm. both author, actors, script developers, all of it. That also informs how we're going to impact our discovery right. and our true purpose and our true priority. So that when we un- discover our true priority, when we discover the principle of you, which is our second capability, we then can build the third capability of building a sound plan based off of what we're willing to do yeah. and based off of who we are. Often we build plans based off an end result to say, I just want that title or better yet, I see something on social media. I just want that end result. That's where we get lost. Uh, one, either we can't achieve it because we don't know the journey someone else went on, or secondly, we achieve it, but we can't sustain it. Yeah. We didn't build it into the fabric of who we are. The fourth capability we build out is the experience, looking for instances of building out and testing out these new behaviors, as well as taking away old behaviors as well. well oftentimes we think about transformations and doing something new as an, an, in addition to. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily always take things away. Thus, when we think about change, it becomes daunting. Or the things that we already have in place and are holding on to, we're trying to integrate with something new, and now they're in conflict. Right. So now we're not even setting ourselves up for success. But yet in our experiences, we're looking for opportunities to take things away, but also test new behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then the final capability, the fifth one, is attunement. This just comes down to being in tune with who we are. At the end of each one of these parts, I ask readers to just pause, process, and reflect so that there is an opportunity to just take stock in how you felt. What were you thinking? Did your plan work? Right. Did we need more instances of testing it out? If it didn't work, maybe we check and adjust. If it did, eh, let's see if we can do a little bit more. Yeah. That would be setting ourselves up for success, but doing it in a way that in a quiet place, whatever that place might be for us, to take stock versus getting caught up in the noise of the day-to-days that often take over all of our lives and thwart many changes that we're trying to make. And do you find in, in this process and building these capabilities, it's not linear, but somewhat circular? Some things will come back, particularly like the upfront piece of defining who you are as an example. Do you find that people go through the process and need to go back and, and refine that a bit? Absolutely. Based on what they're looking to change or actually build upon. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients are already successful, so now they just want to take steps forward. But They're always having to go back and say, now that I want to do something, how are my characters impacting me in that respect, in this new era, in this new arena? So in that context, the book, when you read it through the first round, if you will, offers that baseline, but you come back to it in a context not to be informed, but to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And and what I love about this is the the idea, again, is the path is not linear, right? We Mm -hmm. We often tend to focus on 
someone's victory. And there's two things there. We don't see the story that happened and everything underneath the surface, the typical tip of the iceberg syndrome, Mm -hmm. I'll call it. Secondarily, uh, we don't often appreciate the squiggly line that's happening. It's not just squiggly. It is all over the place, right? (laughs) Before they get there. And we need more of those. And that's not what people will typically show on social media. They don't show all the snippets of the journey. So if they post a 30 second or 60 second video clip, it's usually the celebration party. I would love if people start showing maybe three seconds of the celebration party up front, then 50 seconds of all the trial in between, and then close it, if you will, with another three seconds of celebration. But spend the majority of the video showing the muck and the mire and the struggle of the journey, because I think it would help people come out of some spaces that they go into uh, and use yeah. a term that I think says it really well, learning as a place of reference, not a place of residence. Yes. I would submit that again, when people are doing this comparison piece mm-hmm. that is contributing to man, they did it and, and succeeded. I did it and I failed. So it must be me. It's that internal voice that just says we start beating ourselves up in that respect or conversely, what they'll do is say, all right, I'm done with this. I'll take on something new. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they'll right. scrap everything right. and just say, I'd rather go and create, learn. Yeah, that's good. And while you learn when you create, not to say you don't, right. but in that learning, it's about refinement and going back. And it, we have to be vulnerable Yeah. in that respect. Absolutely. And when we're learning, because that tells us that we're not where we need to be versus the creation is always exciting. Absolutely. Again, we all, in that creation process, and i talk about it and describe it in the book early on, even before we even get to the experience part, I say, we all live parallel lives on paper. We love to put stuff out there. Yeah. I say, talking about an end result. The confetti has already fallen. Yeah. We've already got the job, right? <laughs> um, yet it's the work that we often miss. Yes. And it's that upfront piece of both thinking about who we are and that journey of failure, of learning, being vulnerable, and then coming back to it again. And I joke about it in the book as well, and I call it the Wally Coyote. Wally Coyote never had the same two contraptions right. in, in the Roadrunner. Right. And we do this in our lives all the time, just because it's easier to pull something new out of the box. That's right. Versus let me go back and take stock and really what I just did and be vulnerable enough and honest enough with myself yeah. to say, you know what, here's what worked and here's what didn't. And yeah. oftentimes we lose sight of that. I'm going very specific for a moment because I'd love to understand how you arrived at this part of your program, this piece around writing a letter to your future self. Tell me a little bit more about that. One of the things that I ask the the readers to do is to write a letter to yourself. That letter describes the journey, the acknowledgement, and the appreciation for the effort that that you just arrived. Right. So think about it in the month, two-month time period ahead and write a note to yourself that you're going to read. That came to me through talking to a number of my clients and having them now focused on their behaviors and not an outcome. What were some of the emotional challenges that they were going through and that that would spark even additional motivation? Mm. It's one thing for for me to tell them that they're doing a great job or for someone else to say, hey, you look good. But it's that intrinsic motivation that really sparks and sustains any type of change or any type of behavior. And it's that time capsule when you write it up front, when we're not in the throes of our day-to-days, when we're not in the throes of our struggle, when we're trying to actually change, when the stress is there, when everything around us is pulling us back to our boxes. This is the note 
that reminds us that we are on a journey. Yeah. And it reminds us that, yes, I can continue. I'm making some assumptions here, not dissimilar to what we talked about with the five capabilities that Mm -hmm. this happens more than once, right? As part of the process. I can imagine writing it and going, hey, congratulations for, again, hitting that home run. Mm -hmm. The second time as you wisen up and get more ingrained in the process and appreciate the process, because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we struggle appreciating the process, you may say, hey, Congratulations for working through the process. Congratulations for taking all those chances at bat. Congratulations for sweating during the workouts. So more congratulatory of the journey. And I can imagine opening that letter, even though you didn't hit the home run, but reading your words of, man, yes, I did go through this. I did with consistency wake up every day and go uh, take a chance at bat. So I can see the power of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And to your very acknowledgement, it is a, a letter that is consistently evolving mm. and rewritten. So in that two, one month or two month time period, when you read the letter, you write another one. Yeah. Knowing that the journey continues and you've learned so much more about yourself. Yeah. Learned so much more about that journey and acknowledging where you now have a lot more clarity on where you want to go. That letter becomes even more powerful. Yeah. Uh, and says, thank you. That's really good. So as we begin to, to close, I think the, the point I want to impress upon people, obviously, is the opportunity to build these five capabilities mm-hmm. that will help them become more consistent at achieving the results they want. If someone is leaving today and go, OK, Dr. Ian, you got me. And I think I'm going to get the book and learn yeah. all these things. But maybe just give me two things to start with. What would you tell them to start just to start going down the path a bit? What advice would you have? The first is recognizing that you're good enough as you are. Mm. While I'm describing the book and intention and and building, and obviously we talk about change in the context of I'm not good enough. Recognize that you are good enough as you are. And each moment offers an opportunity to rewrite or build upon our own stories. By focusing on behaviors and taking the time to invest in, in thinking through who you are and what you want to do, and even before you even start doing, it's establishing a foundation for your sustainment. Yeah. The second point I'd bring up is get clear on your priority and your purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the bigger questions I often get from individuals is, how do I start? My answer is, what is important to you? What's your passion? What's your purpose? Right. Through that, those initial questions, and subsequent answers and subsequent questions. You get clarity on, wow, this is who I am. This is my priority. Now, how well are you aligned to that priority? How well are you aligned to that purpose? That's when you can then begin to embark on this journey. Then mapping that to the third piece. And finally, understanding who you are and how your behaviors keep you there and how they may influence where you want to go. That's when you can start to begin the journey in mastering your intentions and building capabilities to transform your story. That's awesome. Hey, Dr. Ian Brooks, thank you so much for joining us on the Corling Solution. Corling Solution audience, make sure you pick up a copy of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. And you heard about the five capabilities. Again, not just about the end result, which you may be able to do one time, but building capabilities that will help you consistently get the kind of successful results that are meaningful to you based on who you are. Again, thank you, Dr. Brooks. Thank you, James. Pleasure being here. Absolutely. 
you are informed, empowered, and can now be accountable. What were some of your takeaways from this episode? I always enjoy hearing from you, so please share. Additionally, if you have questions, hear some things that are new to you, or need some clarity on some of those things, I am here to serve you. Go to our website at thecoilingsolution.com slash podcast. Right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. Tell me about some of your takeaways from the episode. You can ask your questions. You can mention challenges in the areas that we cover. Or tell me about guests you'd love to hear from. Alternatively, you can do the same through social media channels of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you as always for linking up, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.